0: This podcast is brought to you in part by the estate of Bob Nelson. Bob was lover of all things San Diego and a longtime supporter of Voice of San Diego and its podcasts. We at Voice of San Diego are honored to have his support during his lifetime and continued support through his estate planning. Voice of San Diego podcasts are made possible in part by Downtown San Diego Partnership. Tis the season to make your change count at one of downtown San Diego's 26 red donation station meters. From providing homeless individuals with hygiene kits, new clothes, and meal cards, to helping those on the street take the first steps into permanent housing, your spare change can make a difference in the lives of those who need it most this holiday season. Visit downtownsandiego.org for more information and to donate today. Welcome to I Made It in San Diego, voice of San Diego's podcast about the stories behind the region's businesses, the big and the small, and the people who made them what they are. I'm Kinsey Moreland, and in this week's show, a story about Josh Salcido, a man who was contemplating suicide before he found his calling as Crazy Clown, a wrestler who fights in Mexican-style matches called Lucha Libre, Lucha Libre is more of an art form than a sport. It's dripping with long-held traditions. Josh fell in love with all of that. He loves the colorful masks and all the slick high-flying maneuvers. He loves watching the tag-team fights and enjoys it when chairs, ladders, and other weapons get brought into the ring. He especially likes the high-intensity matches. The ones when luchadores wager their masks or even their own hair. The losers forced to submit to a haircut right there in the ring. A for Josh, becoming a wrestler was never about the money. He never made very much for his work inside the ring. He just wanted to be part of that rich tradition. Josh grew up in San Isidro with four siblings, including his twin brother Jaime. His dad was always watching American-style wrestling on TV. Josh says he vividly remembers the first time his dad turned on a Mexican-style Lucha Libre match. The two wrestlers on the TV were fighting in what's called a hair-versus-hair match. And whoever won got to cut the loser's hair and take it as a prize. Josh was captivated.
1: As much as I can remember growing up, I used to watch the WWF back in the day, which is now WWE. So, I think that's when it grew with uh, watching the whole wrestling thing. Um, after that, I remember um, my dad put a wrestling match on, on TV, which is a Lucha Libre match. And they're like, oh, yeah, whoever loses this match, um, they're going to get their haircut. I'm like, what What are you talking about? Like, yeah. So, they're actually having a match, and whoever loses is going to get their their haircut. So, for me, I was like, whoa, what's kind of crazy. That I've never seen that before. So, after that... I just got memorized and fell in love with the Lucha Libre.
0: So I picture you, you have a twin brother. I picture you like jumping off your couch. And was there a lot of wrestling going oh, on? Yeah. I have two boys at home, so I know how this yeah, goes. We
1: actually, uh, we're five in the family. Oh, so wow. was the oldest was my do- uh, my sister. And then after that, we got two more brothers. And then we're the, like the last of the family. But we're just like the, the bonus with the twin. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a lot of wrestling, um, especially me and my brother, my twin brother. We're the wrestling buddies pretty much because we were everywhere just wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. And then we got kind of like my older brothers to wrestle them. And then my sister too got involved too. So,
0: Did your parents, what did your parents think about it? Did they encourage it? Did they, were they always after you to stop wrestling with each other or how? Uh,
1: well, this is the deal. The, I think it kind of grew up the love for Lucha Libre since my dad. Uh, my dad, well, he was uh, born and raised in Mexico in um, La Barca Jalisco in Michoacan. Mr. Mosa this one who uh, was born and grew up there so he was um he actually was training down in Guadalajara to be a wrestler and uh he was a big man he he used to be like a like a bear tall big and everything but um he crossed the border to get a better future for us and everything but he got sick um and he got diabetes after that uh his whole body changed and the whole life changed so I guess that's why it kind of grew up for us with the Lucha Libre from him, because he wanted to do it, so we actually fell in love with it.
0: When Josh was a kid, the border wasn't like it is today. It was porous, and he easily crossed back and forth between his home in Chula Vista and his grandma and uncle's home in Tijuana. On one of those trips, he saw his first Lucha Libre match.
1: I remember we were still small. We were in on TJ TJ uh, for vacation after the period, so I was spending time with my grandma. And there was this uh, one uncle of us. Um, he was making the whole fist all the week. Oh, yes. Uh, El Perro Guayo is going to be in Tijuana. I'm like, okay, who's that? We were <laughs> like, okay. And the Villanos and the Brazos, which was the main uh, banners back in the day, which are right now currently legends in the wrestling of Lucha Libre. So he was making the whole fuss all the week about Perro Guayo, Perro Guayo. Like, who's this guy? Who's talking about? So we, he actually uh, took us, me and my brother, um, to the wrestling show. How old were you? I'm thinking for a little about s- six years. Oh, young! So we're really, really young. So I still remember the day. Uh, that was the day. Uh, it was recently with the uh, Blue Demon Junior making his debut in Tijuana. Uh, I think it was a couple first matches. of His matches. I remember clearly. Paraguayo, uh, the villanos um, the Brazos, and they had this match that. It was a bloody match. That was, uh, back in the day, it was so blood and um, legit matches, fights that we don't see now and day. Really? So, it, so was it was more
0: like it was actual fighting back it then? It was
1: actually like a match where you can see less of a show, more of a, a like a lucha style, wow. but with aggressive stuff that... You rarely see any day now. Mm-hmm. Those one classic match, that's what is, is is labeled La Epoca de Oro, which is we really like the golden years of the Lucha Libre. So I remember seeing El Perro Guayo, seeing all them and saying like, wow, these guys look like they're going nuts. Like they see that they, they really hate each other. The, the expression on <laughs> their face. The they are making the whole chain wrestling and it just took me surprisingly What this is something i really want to do i was like this is something <laughs> something that they making like it's like poetry in motion They're just making everything flow and everything looks good and everything's like wow this is like a for me it was like wow this is like a cartoon that i want to be the median on it. in it so was like after that you that were was, hooked. that was how, that was it that's all it took
0: So tell me about some of the traditions or that poetry in motion that you described. Like I've only been to one match in Tijuana, but I remember like the audience throwing things and um, you Uh, mentioned cutting hair earlier. Like what are some of the traditions? So some,
1: and and Lucha Libre, the traditions are um, basically it's um, a standard one-on-one match, but they also could be like um, a tag team, which is two on two or, um, back in the day, it was more popular the three on three, which would be like a, uh, uh, relevos australianos, which would be three people against three people. Mm-hmm. And it will be like a sort of same as, as a tactic match, but three people on each team on the side. So eventually, with, uh, when two wrestlers got into it and they just had enough of each other, they escalated to make a different kind of matches like a, um, like no rules match or no referees so they can get crazy on it and just do their thing but uh just to show that you know what i'm greater than you and there's nothing that can stop us too i can beat you i can be the champion i can be that so it eventually grows um uh, to something more as in okay if i take your belt if he has a belt well okay i just want the belt and that's it but if you want bragging rights so what will be more to put the guy in plus to cut his hair or ah. take, take his mask off, which mask in Mexico is really important, which is part of the culture. It's like nobody can see your face because this is like a incognito, which would be like nobody knows that you are. Mm. So that was a big big part of uh, Mexico tradition of Lucha Libre.
0: Did you just start going to a bunch of matches after that? Was it like a weekend tradition? Like how into it did you get? Back in the day,
1: yes, exactly. Back in the day, it used to be uh, every Friday or every weekend should be uh, wrestling shows, and um, I remember after that that match, it just we we didn't wait for a while, but it got to a point we were bugging our dad, we want to go. Oh, our birthday's coming on, we want to (laughs) go. And I remember going to my second match, which I still remember. And uh, we went. My dad took us, me and my brother, uh, to see uh, LA Park, which was about the original La Parca back in the day. It was La Parca, La Parquita, and Psychosis, which is Nicho Millionaire right now. And I remember. So this is a venue up in Los same, Angeles. Same, same, no, same venue. Down oh, in, in Tijuana. In Tijuana, okay. just a different time frame. Got it. So. I remember seeing them uh, their match. And after that, we we're like, wow, this is like a totally different guys, but with the same performance and same different. Um, the first match that we went is more like the traditional one. And this was a new comp- company that's stepping out was A back in the day. So it, it was something kind of different to the play they're bringing on, but something that was also good. And after that was like, wow, this is great. Like after that, uh, We just kept bugging and bugging them to take us back to the wrestling shows. Uh, we just, you know what? We went to school on Fridays after school. We took our backpacks and we have extra clothes. After that, we just hit the the go to TG to see the lucha match. And our mom, <laughs> you like, and your brother? Yeah, me and my brother. are Both of us. And my mom was like, no, no, like, yeah. After the match, we went went go home to my grandma's house, spend the weekend, and then come back on Sunday.
0: So your grandma lived in Tijuana.
1: Yeah. So my grandma used to live in Tijuana. So she was like, yeah, yeah, I'll go with them. Obviously she didn't, but uh, <laughs> she never told my mom that. <laughs> Sorry, mom. But um, that's how we used to do it. We took it up upon ourselves to do actually just go and um, do the thing by yourself and go and enjoy it. After that, all through high school, I remember just me and him going to matches, matches, matches.
0: Josh and his twin brother, Jaime, weren't satisfied with just being fans. They wanted to wrestle. Part of their drive came from their dad, who had grown up wanting to be a luchador, but instead took his family to the United States for a better life. The twins started going to a gym in Tijuana and training to become lucha libre wrestlers when they were 16 years old. They were working with a well-known trainer at the time, but the trainer had a child that died tragically and he ended up moving to LA. The training stopped abruptly. The boys still watched wrestling together, but they went their separate ways for a while. Jaime focused on playing music with his friends, and Josh, well, he fell into hanging out with a bad crowd. He didn't return to wrestling again until after he hit rock bottom.
1: I was um pretty much hanging with the wrong crowd and drinking. Uh, like I say, um there was not it was partying too much partying. Mm. Too much partying and, um, and pretty much not doing nothing productive. Anyways, mm-hmm. it's not nothing, nothing doing nothing legal and stuff, but just simply just partying too much. Got it. And uh, that's when I hate though with the alcoholism and stuff like that. So like, wow. So like, I need to put a stop to it. So I remember clearly one day I say, you know, what? I need to make a change, and uh, I was so down with my luck, and uh, that's when actually my dad passed away too. Mm. So when my dad passed away, that's when they hit me more and I started What year uh, was that? Two thousand four. Okay. Two thousand four. And I started eating using this couple pills to sleep, this to drink, to wake up, and then start doing some little stuff that wasn't meant for and then had an addiction. Um
0: What were you addicted to?
1: Cocaine. Mm. Oh, I had that's a problem. An expensive cocaine. Con- oh, yeah. addiction. My goodness. Oh yeah. And uh, the thing was, like, uh, I asked for help, and um, I guess they didn't believe me. And my family, in a way, said, you know what? I think he's just bluffing, this and that. And and that for me, it, 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 I, I'm I'm grateful that that happened because, for me, it was like, I'm going to show you guys because I was asking for help, and you guys say I was just bluffing and stuff when I did have addiction. So uh, one day I was like, you know I'm just tired of everything. And start drinking and doing cocaine. And I say, you know what? That day, I was like, you know what? I just want to die. I want to commit suicide. I just want to die. And I did so much cocaine that it could kill anybody. And so much drinking that the next day, I, I told God, you know what's going to take me. Just take me, God. And the next day, I woke up. And I was like, wait a minute. So I'm still here. So something's up. So then I, ha- I had something that I had never found in a while, which was peace. So after that, I said, you know what? No, this is a change. And I just let the court, uh, like cold turkey, they say. No help, no nothing. Just by myself, I left everything. And that's one of the biggest accomplishments I ever made. And um, since then, I've been sober. I've been sober since then. To this day, will be about 10, 11 years, something like that.
0: After that rock bottom moment, Josh decided he needed something to keep him busy. He started training again in the gym in Tijuana. Then, a fateful reunion with one of his old high school buddies at a Lucha Libre match in Tijuana changed his life forever.
1: I was like, okay, i are going to go to a show back in TJ. So I went to TJ. So these guys comes along like, hey, what's up, dude? I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm like, who are you, dude? Like, <laughs> a wrestler. So like, I don't know who it was. Ah. And they're like, hey, wait for me after the show. Staying by, like, wait for me by the entrance. like, okay. I'm like, for I mean, like, me and thinking, like, Who is this, is this guy? Yeah, who is this guy? <laughs> And then uh, they're like, You don't know who I am? Like, no. And he's like, Hey, remember high school this? Like, yeah, like that's me. Like, oh. no way, dude. Like, yeah. And from there you start talking, like, Okay, you wanna do it? Like, yeah, sure. And that's uh, so, like you know I was training and then this happened. Like, okay, come out train with me. So that's why we come back in business. I told my brother, Hey, remember this guy in, in high school? Like, yeah. What Boy, was his sister, name? Um Steban. Esteban? Esteban, and then he used to wrestle for, under White Warrior, down in White Tijuana. White okay. So, yeah. Was he... <laughs> so, so, Esteban, Esteban, oh man. He brought us back, and I told my brother, hey, remember Esteban? He's like, yeah. He's the one who actually brought us back to training.
0: Josh and his brother trained for about two years before they made their wrestling debut in 2009. Sadly, their dad had passed away from complications related to diabetes a few years earlier, So he never got a chance to see his boys living out his own Lucha Libre dream. And actually, the boys' first match was totally unplanned. There's a circuit of promoters who organize Lucha Libre matches in Tijuana, Southern California, and other places where there's a high demand for the sport. Sometimes they wrestle in big, fancy sports arenas. Other times, the promoters rent a ring and plop it in the middle of a bar. Josh and his brother used to be the guys who drove a handful of the performing luchadores around to venues in Tijuana and San Diego. One night after they drove their friends to a venue in Escondido, some of the planned performers didn't show up, so the brothers were thrown into the ring at the last minute. Josh says he was a little nervous at first.
1: Fear, most part. <laughs> it was fear, but I, I was. I wasn't afraid because I, I know who I was going against him, which with my brother, which we trained. We've we done this for him since. We, I remember telling him, I hey, remember we used to do, a, we're playing around on the house and the couches, and like, yeah, well, now it's time to do it in a real ring, dude. Like, same thing we did back then, just right here. Now we actually have this to play around with. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, and we went from there.
0: A few weeks later, the brothers got booked for another gig. That's when Josh debuted Crazy Clown. See, when Lucha Libre performers first start, they usually introduce themselves with a pseudonym that they don't plan on keeping around. When they get established in the business, that's when wrestlers come up with their permanent gimmick and character. They sort of have to earn it. The transition also gives wrestlers the chance to decide if they want to be a good guy or a bad guy. Josh's idol was Blue Demon. He eventually wanted to ditch his crazy clown character for a name like Red Devil or Red Demon. Crazy Clown was meant to be just a character he used to get started, but it ended up sticking.
1: I got so much reaction with the clown, and I was a evil clown. <laughs> and people would start cheering for me. I'm like, Really? I'm like, Why are you guys cheering for me? I'm the bad guy. I'm the one everybody hates. <laughs> and the promoter was like, uh, No, you're going to be the clown. I'm like, No, I'm going to be the Red Devil. Like, No, you're going to be the clown. And I'm like, No.
0: The storyline in a wrestling match plays out as a simple battle between good guys and bad guys. Faces and heels in wrestling lingo, or rudos and technicos in Lucha Libre. The rudos are there to rile up the crowd against him and in favor of the tecnicos. The rudos are the ones who pull out a wrench and hit the referee in the face. Obviously, a crazy clown makes sense as a heel, or a bad guy. But suddenly, Josh had found a character that the crowd loved. Not only did the promoter want to make Josh keep the clown around, he wanted to turn him into a face.
1: We went back and forth, back and forth, and he's like, "No, you are the clown. And next <laughs> week you're gonna be a, you're gonna turn face. You're gonna be a good guy because people, the kids are following you, so you're gonna be a good clown." So like, no, <laughs> like I wanna be a bad guy, cause of my um, uh, I always would been the uh, chubby and stuff. So like, I will be, for me it would be easier to to make people mad stuff. So ah. for me it'll be like natural, but like I can easily make anybody get mad and throw me stuff. Yeah, yeah. But to turn it around and actually be like trying to go with the kids I'm so like, I don't know, it can happen, but it happened.
0: <laughs> Josh's brother debuted as Demon Soul, but eventually became a character known as Rasta Lion. Sometimes the twins wrestled against each other. Other times they tag teamed and fought on the same side. It didn't take long for the brothers to start getting booked at shows in Tijuana, San Diego, and Los Angeles, at least a few times a month.
1: The same year, for the, for the uh, end of 2009, December and then early 2010, we already got people following us like, "Oh, we don't see the clown, we don't see this guy, we don't see that guy," and we're like, "Wow!" So, I, and the promoters like, "Dude, what you guys did?" I'm like, I don't know, we just went and performed. <laughs> well, people are asking for you guys, and I was like, "Whoa, I guess." we just give them what they want and that's why we uh, we talked to our friend uh, Black Mamba to come and join us well he was there already too just because we're the same group mm-hmm. and then we started doing some stuff with him and then Toxic and some other guys too mm-hmm. but uh, after that we just started getting calls from different promoters around San Diego and uh, we just started resting in bars resting anywhere there was because we wanted more ring experience so anywhere it was there to take us we'll go
0: so, talk to me about the fans. Did you like garner a lot of fans uh, over the years? I, I
1: actually met a, uh, I made a lot of good friendships with a lot of them. Um, a lot of fans. It's been good incidents, bad incidents. I remember uh, back in the day, the first match I had, uh, one of those matches, uh, a fatal four way, which was m- myself, Crazy Clown versus Black Mamba, versus Toxic, versus uh, Nightmare Azteca in a cage match back mm-hmm. with the OWA back in the day 2005, I believe. Mm-hmm. And that day was a mask versus hair match. Or fatal foil somebody who's going to lose their hair or mask, depending on how it goes. I actually put my hair on the line. I was confident really? I was going to do it. <laughs> and... Um, I end up the last two with me and Black Mamba, and Black Mamba actually, um, he got the best of me, he, he won, so I had cut my hair, and um, they were cutting my hair, I was sitting down, and this little girl, I'll say about three years old, she came to me crying, like, oh, I'm sorry you lost, but we still love you, like, for me, that was like, wow, it's like, for me, it was like, eye openers it's like, wow, these fans are like, they're really into me, like, this is changed the whole thing. Like, you know what? This is what... This is... They really feel for it. They really feel they're into it. This is... This is part of my life now. Because this... this They are the ones who make us be where we're at. Yeah. They're the ones who actually cheer for you or boo you or get you out there. They're the ones that you would get a paycheck. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. of them. But I got real connected with those fans.
0: So when you so <clears throat> you got your haircut, like do you enter and um is the winner not decided like is do you like for, I've always been under the impression yeah. that you know the story before you walk into the match not
1: necessarily there's there's some uh this is a predetermined stuff, but not really for our match, we know that for that special because there was a we can have like a hatred, but there was in the in a way of sport hatred that. You know what i'm gonna prove to you that i'm better than you dude mm-hmm. and like i know we're friends and everything dude but you know what this is a wrestling and then once we hit the ring that's professional that's that's something else that's our job so our friendships is on uh behind the mats behind the currents right so tell them like okay you'll be we'll be training for a while okay so you think you're better than me so we'll, we'll see that day so the four of us went and we we never knew let's just go with the goals Cause we actually the the promoter he's like, no one, you guys want it, okay, you have it. So and for us, pro- so sometimes
0: for- the promoter would let you guys yeah, decide exactly. to just wrestle it out and who and if and yep. and in that instance, you're like, okay, yeah, you did, you did win, and you kind of like.
1: Yeah, because uh, at the end it was me and him. <laughs> there was a tough match because it was it wasn't just a simple cage match; it was with weapons.
0: Oh wow! So like, what I do you got, mean? Like chairs yeah, and there stuff. there was
1: chairs, ladders there was uh candlesticks there was frying pans i know one of my friends got a good frying pan in his head thanks to me <laughs>
0: so that's real
1: getting yeah. hit so that was that day i actually end up with uh, bumps and bruises mm-hmm. um, a lot <laughs> i actually had a bill on my forehead um oh it was just like so big and red and stuff and uh, i had a couple cuts um And I had like a ladder landed in my hand, Uh, but yeah. So people
0: who think that it's like fake fighting, like what?
1: Oh no, I still, I think you still have the, the scars too.
0: The twin brothers continued building up their fan base over the years. They became known for their brutal battles. But even at the height of their wrestling careers, the twins only made a few hundred dollars per match. They've both always had to make ends meet by holding day jobs. Josh worked retail and later as a medical assistant to make the money he needed to support his wife and kids in Chula Vista. But he says being a luchador was never about the money. So let's talk a minute um, about the money side. So when you were training, did that cost a lot of money? Like how did you uh, finance all that time in the gym?
1: Um, it, it it depends on what gym do you go to, depending who's the teacher. Because mm-hmm. we usually get... Um, somebody who was close enough or friend enough that you, you know what don't worry just pay for the for the business of the gym and we'll take care of that or oh you no know what, let's go out to eat and you guys buy and we'll be squared there so we got lucky enough that mm. unfortunately though there's a bad side a good side to everything so unfortunately for me and my brother we went through a lot of trainers or people say that we're actually trainers and we're not so they just took our money Mm-hmm. And, oh, just do this and this and this, and unfortunately, it wasn't. There were no close to be trainers or teachers of the of wrestling you know, or lucha libre. Yeah. So unfortunately, we went um, we went through a couple of them and yeah. just pretty much tossed our money to the trash because right. they didn't even help us in a bit.
0: Josh says, especially for wrestlers just starting out, there's very little money involved in the Lucha Libre world, unless you're one of the really famous ones.
1: Once you start from the bottom, you have to work your, work your way up.
0: So when you say start from the bottom, are you doing it for free?
1: Uh, sometimes when you do free, that's not really free. It's actually, um, you do it uh, for me. We never charge for the stuff, but they still pay us. Mm-hmm. At least they give us like about 20 bucks in gas money, which is always appreciated because it was escondido. Mm-hmm. So we live down near the border. But uh, it was more like uh, by saying you have to uh, work your way up, it's like putting on the ring, taking on the ring down, helping the guys put the chairs, help the promoter put this and that. Just help. It's, 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 uh, it, it helps you in different ways to actually know the business, how the business works, and to appreciate the business, to appreciate the fans, and to see how much it's work is work put into its show. And how much people spend to see the show? Yeah, because it is pricey. Nobody sees that. Nobody sees the you're renting the chairs. Nobody sees this. Nobody sees the ring. Nobody sees uh, who's gonna put the rings, Who's taking it up? But as a newcomer, you can help the promoter out and learn. Because if he sees that you're trying to learn the business, he's gonna help you out. Mm-hmm. And that's the it's a simple rule. It's like help the promoter. He's gonna help you out because you you're trying to help him setting up and everything. But he's also teaching you to respect the business. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, you open your doors to a different places just by doing that. Cause you know the business from the, you start from the bottom and now you're up. Cause this one way, cause you know, the the business. And that's uh, how it is. And I remember helping uh, put in the rings a couple of times with different promoters stuff. And they're like, oh, here you go. Like, no, no, we just did it just to be here to learn. Like, no, here and still pay us uh, mm-hmm. 20 bucks, $25, $30, depends. After a while, after you do the you do wrestling for a while, you actually get more money because mm-hmm. you actually work for it. Yeah. It's like a promotion everywhere. You you work at a retail job after a year. You, can, yeah. you learn so much of this. Now, you got, I think you deserve a promotion because you break your butt to get there. Right. And the same thing in wrestling.
0: So did have you wrestled in the same ring where you first saw your lucha match when you were six years old?
1: did you and i've actually it's the same venue yes i did yeah yes that was Wait, how
0: the- long did that take because that's a Ooh, big venue that, Right. yeah that took a, a while
1: time. that took a real while but uh i'm thankful that i, I stepped in that venue three times already mm-hmm. down in tijuana there for me for me down in tijuana there was like three different venues or four different venues that i wanted to actually wrestle because that's where i went to see the matches one of them obviously was the auditor tijuana another one was uh the uh, palenque and caliente and then that one was a uh, gimnasio independencia which is like a small gym but uh, that's where i used to go every single um sunday to watch the matches and thank god that i i stepped in those all those arenas all those venues
0: how long did it take though was that so you started in 2009 by when um, did you first get to wrestle in one of those venues that you had your eyes on
1: i think i started doing that in 2013 Okay, so it took a while. So it took a while, but they got there. That's <laughs> why it counts. That it doesn't matter how long it takes as long as you get there. That's why it counts because now, you, you know what, I can scratch out my list. You know what, I did this, and that's what I wanted to do. Maybe the, let's say that was one of my goals to do it. It could take you a long time or short time, but as long as you, you actually accomplish it, that's the main thing, and that's what it did for me.
0: So when you were wrestling in those um those type of venues were was there more of a set fee like did you get to a point where you and your brother could be like no you have to pay us this much or else we're not going to show up or what did, was it for st- for me? Yeah. And
1: I I'll speak for myself <laughs> and for my brother cuz for us like I mentioned to you it wasn't about the money. It wasn't. It was a ball about the the love for the passion for the sport.
0: The average career span of a wrestler isn't very long. When we come back, the bloody match that pushed Josh to step outside of the ring for good. Voice of San Diego podcasts are made possible in part by Border Angels. Border Angels is out with a new podcast called Bad Hombre. Every Monday at noon, listen to a new episode with Border Angels founder Enrique Morones and guests. They'll be discussing border issues, immigration policy, hope for change and more. Look for the Bad Hombre Border Angels podcast on Apple Podcasts or online at www.borderangels.org. After eight years in the lucha libre ring, Josh started feeling like he was ready to retire. But it took one especially bloody match to finally push him to throw in the towel.
1: This actually was an accident. Um, we were wrestling on Oxnard, and uh, we had a tag team match. Twenty-two, um, and, two. and um, we were wrestling. As much as I can remember, everything, everything was fine. We were about to end the match and say, okay, we were about our uh, time. It's going to be the time limit that they gave us, about 15 minutes. Something like that. So down to the minute. And I remember uh, taking a clothesline and, uh, and trying to get up. And after that, I can't remember nothing. I just felt somebody hit my, uh, my face. So what happened, I guess, they were telling me that I was knocked out. Mm. Um, the other guys uh, made a suplex to the other, the other guy. Um, he actually landed in my face. Uh, ah. So with his boot, he actually hit my face and hit my bottom lip, under the bottom lip, and opened my my. I actually had a hole oh. going from one side to the other side. I could actually fit like two fingers through all the oh. way through. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, it was a big, uh, um, a bead bad cut. Uh, uh, my whole mouth was swollen. My Job moved to the side um it, for me just like wow i remember coming back they woke i was knocked out i remember i was choking on my own blood you know like we can breathe like through my mouth i was got like, something so what i did just roll the ring kind of hug the ring post in the way and just spit it all the blood out and everything it was bad i know it was bad because i saw people's face go like oh like something's going on so why did i just rip my mask up like i rip rip it open so i can actually breathe spit out the blood and everything i was choking on and after that i was just like felt like um dizzy and stuff i told the guy you know what take me back i i can't i don't know what's going on like something i hear i feel like a lot of pain on my face but i don't know what's going on everything hurts i don't know what's going on so they took me to the back and um, this set me down and uh, eventually um it's 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 a a big cut it's a bad
0: so that so incidents like that made you decide that it was time to retire how old were you
1: that was that's this past year
0: so that was in october of this year
1: that was actually the incident happened in four months ago oh wow it was recently in my last match on san diego was october 7 before my retirement and they say how come I, i actually a fan came up like oh uh, can, I, can you send me on your mask? Like, no, I won't. I'll give it to you. And they're like, really? Like, yes. And it's like, wow. And and then another guy comes like, how come you didn't sell the mask? What for? Just to make extra bucks? Like, I don't need that. Because like I told him, when I got this back in 2009, I I didn't do it for the money. I did it for the love, passion of the sport. So I told uh, the, the fan, here you go. And I signed the mask and everything dedicated anything and um, just treasure the mask as, as i treasure because that's uh, about nine ten years of my life and it's all blood sweat and tears you cannot replace with money there's no nothing you can replace with money and stuff so i'll i'll give it to you as a gift just treasure that's all i can give you
0: josh's brother jaime still wrestles in san diego and tijuana as rasta lion And as is the tradition in Lucha Libre, Josh is right now looking for a young, dedicated fighter who's passionate about the sport and wants to take on his crazy clown character. And even though he doesn't fight anymore, Josh has found a new way to stay involved with the business. He works with a startup company that organizes Lucha Libre matches in San Diego.
1: I'm actually involved with Baja Stars USA. Um, And what is Baja Stars USA? Baja Stars USA is a company that started down from... um, two years years ago ago. we actually didn't celebrate our anniversary in february and that's run by um, enrique Enrique avalos and uh it's uh it was a new project coming down from um that was work working it before like two years prior to this debut but we didn't get a lot of help from wrestlers saying that oh we don't know who you are we didn't Ah. a new promotion there's there's that's how it usually is right it's hard to start a it's promotion hard, company cuz you have to
0: earn their trust exactly and, okay. earn
1: their trust so once we start making our shows and and start performing people people's like okay okay we got we see what you got, so okay so we're going to see how it goes and it's it's been rough but it's um also very pleasant that uh, we're still here i know we're still a young company but we're doing um but we actually bring it back tradition. Mm. We bring back a tradition with a little bit of new style. So we actually have in our matches, is usually uh, Lucha Libre. It's not wrestling. It's Lucha Libre, but we also bring one wrestling match. What's so, the difference between so Lucha like, Libre and wrestling? Mm-hmm. Just... So the Lucha Libre is two or three falls, which is a Mexican-style match. Two
0: or three falls?
1: Falls to a finish. So it's gonna be you got to win two, two falls to win the whole match. But the wrestling is only one fall to win. What do you mean fall? Like, so yeah, uh, like uh, pinning? So yeah, so, to be, and, and so a fall is like a, to win a, a pin your opponent or surrender your okay. opponent. So if he surrenders two or three times in the whole match, you win the whole match. So right? that's lucha. So okay. that's lucha. And the and the wrestling style, um, wrestling, it's only one fall to finish. Oh, okay. Like a time limit 15. Okay. And then, so we try and bring both worlds into one, oh, okay. but give both of them their respect for each other. Mm-hmm. So we bring one wrestling match and we, the rest of them will be Lucha Libre matches. So every uh, fans that we have gets a little bit of a taste of everything. Nice. So and where
0: do you guys hold your events?
1: Our events are Baja Stars are usually um, in uh, San Diego. Um, It's going to be down uh, 3020 Coronado Avenue in San Diego, which would be Montgomery Water Park. And that's in and Chula uh, Vista? That's uh, right between uh, South Bay. That's in South Bay, actually. Uh-huh. Right between Chula Vista and um, San Isidro.
0: Josh helps promote the Lucha Libre matches in San Diego. He says hundreds of fans have been showing up to the events Baja Stars has been hosting. Josh says he's enjoying his new role outside of the ring. Are you making more, like, do you take a cut of that profit? Are you making more money now than you were when you were actually
1: wrestling? Or, um, It is it is I make more money but the thing is you work more <laughs> and it's more <laughs> because stress because you're so you're, you're doing stress. like the
0: behind the scenes advertising exactly. marketing promoting exactly. um, looking organizing for, looking for
1: venues or actually looking for new talent uh-huh. also looking for um, sponsorship or to work with the people around the community also mm-hmm. so there's little bit of stuff that it takes a lot to make an actual event but yeah. uh, When you pull two, three people together, okay, we can actually make it work.
0: The next Baja Stars USA Lucha Libre match is their two-year anniversary show in February in the South Bay. You can connect with Baja Stars USA on Facebook to get tickets. Thanks for listening to I Made It in San Diego. I wrote the show. Andrew Keats produced it and Adam Greenfield mastered and mixed it. Visit voiceofsandiego.org slash podcast to learn more about our weekly Voice of San Diego political affairs show, our Good Schools for All education podcast, the Kept Faith Sports podcast, Beer Talk Radio, and all the shows in the BOSD podcast network. If you like the show, go to voiceofsandiego.org and click the donate button. Or if you'd like your business to sponsor it, contact me at K-I-N-S-E-E at vosd.org.